Well, if you have a Bible, find Acts chapter 2 this morning. We're going to be there in just a few moments. Acts chapter 2, just hold your place there. But we are in part 3, the final part of our series called In This Together. And we've been talking about three specific questions during this series. The first question was simple. It was how do we grow spiritually? Do we grow spiritually by just going to church, attending Bible studies, uh, reading a good book? Uh, you know, those gender-specific ministries, men's ministry, women's ministry, are, is that how we grow spiritually? And of course the answer could be sure. You could say yes to all of those things, but is it the best way? The second question that we have been asking is how do we grow relationally? I guess the first key to that is you got to be around people. So you got to be around people to grow relationally. So that's step one. So, so being around people is important to growing relationally. But is there a, a better way to grow relationally? And then the third question, which is today's question, is how do we grow missionally? How do we grow missionally? Is it getting involved in, in something that's bigger than us? Is it, is it just simply serving or being generous? And, and the answer to that question is yes, all of those things. But we believe that those things growing spiritually, relationally, and missionally, we believe they are best done together in what the Bible calls koinonia, or fellowship, being together. We call those small groups at West Hill, and hopefully after this series you'll have a greater understanding of what we mean by that and why we are so passionate about it here at our church. So in part one, we talked about how we grow spiritually and how that's best done together, that spiritual growth happens best together. And so the challenge in that message was this devotion that we have to devote ourselves to spiritual growth. But not just devoting ourselves to spiritual growth in and of itself, but devoting ourselves to spiritual growth together in community. That when we grow together, some things happen. Some very specific things happen when we grow in community together. We are, we are motivated toward love and good deeds, which is a good thing. We, uh, we, are, we grow together to become fully mature, we also grow together to encourage one another and build each other up. Now, we know that there are a multitude of definitions for what it means to be a disciple. What is a disciple? And, and like I said, every week, if you Google that, you're going to find hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions of search results in the old Google search box. You're going to find a lot of different opinions on what a disciple really is. And so the way we define that is really simple here at West Hill. It is simply a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That if you are devoted to Jesus, you are devoted to following him and his example, observing how he lived and how he has called us to live, then you are on the right track to being and becoming a disciple. I grew up in a church world where it was kind of delegated to a 17-week course. If you took a 17-week course, you went through discipleship, so that meant that you were a disciple. And as we all know, that's simply not the case. 
But we do believe that this process of becoming a disciple is best cultivated through spiritual growth that is done together in community. And the most effective way, least complicated way that we've found to do that is through the context of small groups. Our small group ministry's goal, as I have clarified over the last few weeks, is, intention, is to intentionally join in God's mission together through a devotion to the Word and a devotion to each other. Last week, we talked about the relational side, that relational growth happens best together. So the challenge was devote yourself to growing relationally Devote yourself to having one heart and one mind all unified around the gospel and the mission of Christ in this world. Devoting ourselves to prayer and then devoting ourselves to sharing life with others. And when you share your life with someone else, when you are devoted to community, when you are devoted to togetherness, some really important things happen inside of those relationships. One is burdens are shared. So burdens are shared, kindness is shown, forgiveness is given, and peace is pursued. We see all of those things happening inside of the New Testament church. And so now we're going to move on to this final question of how do we grow missionally? How do we grow missionally? What does that look like? And, and churches and church people, as we all know, because we're all a part of the church, we, we are really good at declaring what truth is. But, but we sometimes struggle to actually do something with all of that truth. I struggle with that just as much as anyone else. But as a pastor, but more importantly, as a Christ follower, I don't just, I, I just want to do church anymore. I don't want to just waste my time bickering about all of the things that we're never going to agree on and try to impress someone with lofty language and words and knowledge. I'm just, I'm just over all of those things. But what I do, what I do want to spend time thinking about is what Christ wants us to think about. And what are the things that Christ wants us to think about? And I, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is all of the people that he came to this world to die for. And so I want to think about people who, who don't know the Savior. And, and while I'm abundantly grateful for all of the evangelists that exist in this world and have existed in my life as a pastor, I'm just overwhelmed by the amount of people that don't know Jesus, but I'm also overwhelmed by the lack of passion in Christians who claim to know him who don't care about people who don't know Jesus. I'm bothered by that deeply. And I'm also bothered by that in my own life when that is present. It's no secret in our culture that there are a lot of things to bicker and debate about. But I am just tired of talking about some of those things. Because I truly believe what the Bible says, that Jesus is the hope of the world. Why don't we talk more about Jesus? And so that's one of the key pieces to this series and what we're talking about. But here's the bottom line. The church that we read about in our New Testament, they were on an all-out campaign to reach the people in their world who did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then 
see them grow in that relationship with Jesus and teach them what it meant to follow him. They wanted to make a kingdom impact. They, they, they wanted to do that one person at a time, one family at a time, one community at, at a time. And I pray that we as the church stay laser focused on that same thing, that same mission, the main thing and keeping it the main thing, which is Jesus. One thing is true, people, people are valuable to God. And I think sometimes we forget that Jesus came to redeem humanity, that he loves us. And it's okay to say that, that, that we are nothing without him and he could have left us on this earth without any hope. That, that we, are, we are nothing apart from Jesus, but his great love for us is what has prompted our rescue and that's good news. Praise God that through Christ, that through his, his gospel, that we have an answer, that we have hope, that we have the cure for our greatest need and our greatest problem. And that alone should cause us to be people who focus on what matters most. So, how did the early church engage in this mission? What did that mission look like? What is the mission? I, I mean, and that gets debated in all kinds of church circles. And you know, what is the mission? And if you open up your Bibles, you could go to Matthew 28, and Jesus gives it for you clearly that we are to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. That's the foundation for the mission of the church. But you see that foundation clearly laid out in Acts chapter 2. Peter's preaching his first message in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on him and on God's people. And Peter is preaching the gospel. And we'll pick up there in verse 41 where we have each and every week. And so Luke writes, he says, Those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the answer to the question, how did the early church engage in the mission, is, is it's not that complicated. They were simply devoted to it. They were devoted to the mission of Christ in their world, in their community. And when a church stays devoted to growing spiritually and relationally, there is fruit. People hear the gospel. They are saved from an eternity in hell. And they are given eternal life by Jesus and hope and, and a place in heaven. And then they grow in that relationship with him. Now, did that mean that the early church always did everything right? Certainly not. We have a New Testament full of, of challenge from the writers. They were constantly messing up, making a mess of things. But if you see, if you, if you just take the time to, to notice, 
There is a theme underlying everything that we read. Even when there's conflict, even when the church is messing up, even when someone messes up and drops the ball in a major way, the gospel is the cure. The gospel is the fix for anything that is broken and anything is wrong. So Jesus makes it a priority. He tells us to keep it a priority and to keep the mission in front of people. The mission is Christ's mission. The mission is people. That God loves people who are far from him and so should we. I just want you to watch or just follow along as I read here from 1 John chapter 4. It'll be here in a second. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We fix our eyes on that truth, on that hope, and that is the reason why Jesus came to this earth in the first place. Jesus came to this dark world to come for you and for me and for those who have gone on and those in the future who will be born. And so the first challenge that we see from these people in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4 and all throughout our New Testament is simple. There was a devotion to the mission. Devote yourself to the mission. In the early church, they were devoted to all of the things that we've talked about. They were, they were devoted to love and good deeds, to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to communion, to all of those things. They were devoted to those things. But they were devoted to the mission of Christ. Christ came to seek and to save. And that's what made the message of the apostles so different. That's what made their message so unique. It was about Jesus. Now, we have a process for how this, this looks here at our church. It's that if you're, if you're new, you have no idea what I'm about to say. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know exactly what build, share, bring means. But we've had a, several dozen new people start coming to our church in the last couple of months, and so I want to take a minute and share how we do mission, how we do vision here at West Hill. Now, uh, you, you see this process of building relationships, sharing stories, and bringing people. It's laid out all throughout the Gospels. But we see this process specifically modeled by Jesus himself in John chapter 4 and Luke chapter 5 and, and Luke chapter 15. But this idea of building the relationship is so important. We build relationships with those who are around us. And as Christ followers, that starts with us building and deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we as Christ followers, we build our lives on the truth of, of, of Jesus and his word. We build our, our lives on Christ himself. And then we build relationships with others as a result of that relationship. Jesus sat with, he ate with, he spent time 
with people who did not know him. He built relationships. You see this laid out in Luke 5 where Jesus is, is sitting with, with tax collectors and sinners and, and the Pharisees and the scribes. They're grumbling at his disciples. Like, Why is your rabbi sitting with sinners and tax collectors? Why would he do that? Jesus overhears it and he answers them and he says, Hey dudes, by the way, it's those who are well, they have no need of a physician. But it's those who are sick that have a need. Jesus is just kind of laying it out there. I did not come for you necessarily, although they were, they were sick, they just didn't know it. I have not come to call righteous people, but sinners to repentance is what Jesus says. So Jesus was really clear that he came for people and that people mattered to him. Not just some people, but all people. The second part of our vision is share. Share the story. This connects directly with Matthew chapter 28 where it says to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to everyone and baptize them and make disciples of them. We, we share our story. What was your story? How did you come to know Christ? What, we see this in John 9 and Acts 22. The apostle Paul consistently was weaving his, his conversion into his conversations with those who were around him. He was constantly talking about how he had been saved and what that process looked like. He shared his story, his experience with people. And so we share the story of the gospel. We share our story of how we came to know Jesus and then we just simply bring people. It's laid out in John 4 where he tells her to go back and, and get her husband. Well, she goes back and she gets a ton of people and they come to meet Jesus. There are dozens and dozens of examples of this process of Christians or Christ followers, people of the way, bringing people who didn't know the Savior to the Savior. So we bring others. Ask someone to come sit with you. Most people, statistics tell us, need to be asked four to six times before they'll actually come and sit with you in a church service. It's not a one and done kind of thing. It's, you gotta be annoying. There's someone that I've been pursuing with the gospel for several years now, and every time that I, I, I communicate with him, I, I in some way try to incorporate the gospel into that conversation. But now there's like a whole community of us that go to our church and we're all like tag teaming the guy. It's pretty fun, by the way. Like he's coming to church someday. He's gonna have to, he's gonna get annoyed. but I believe Jesus cares about him. And it's worth the awkward, it's worth the tension to simply ask. Because I believe hell is real. But I also believe that heaven is real. And I also believe that Jesus came to take that person's sin and offer him life. And I believe, because of what Jesus has done in my own life, in my own heart, that that is the best life. And that he needs it desperately. And so I'm going to build that relationship. I'm going to continue sharing the story. And I'm going to keep inviting. I'm going to keep pursuing him. And hopefully one day bring him. I mean, think about it. How many times did Zacchaeus hear about Jesus before he decided to go see him? 
How many times did the blind and the lame and the sick hear about Jesus before they decided to go to him for healing? Uh, what about the people in Acts that, 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 that Paul persuades all day long to believe the gospel? We can't give up so easily. In kindness and graciousness, we have to be resilient. So are you devoted to the mission? You can fight against that or you can simply choose to engage, but why wouldn't you want to be involved in something that's out of this world? I don't know why you wouldn't. So be devoted to the mission. The next thing is devote yourself to sharing the gospel. Jesus came for people. I've talked about that a lot. In Luke 15, I just want to read this. You've read it. Some of you could probably quote this from memory. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled again. They said, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So he tells them a parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he had lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That lost item was so valuable that it warranted a relentless search a relentless pursuit until it was found. Jesus says, I've given you an example to follow in John chapter 13. He says, do as I have done for you. Reach people with the gospel. Are you devoted to sharing the gospel? And then devote yourself to serving the mission. In 1 Peter 4, it talks about gifts and that we've all received a gift and we are to serve it we are to use it to serve one another as God's good stewards. That those who speak, they speak on, as oracles of God. And, and whoever serves, they, they serve by the strength that God supplies in order that, ev that in everything God may be glorified. And so are you devoted to serving the mission of Christ? Now, this can happen in so many ways. We know this to be true. You can serve the mission by being involved in ministries here at our church. You can, in all the various ways that, that you can serve inside of our church and outside of our church. It's not just the ministries that exist in these four walls. But there are so many ministry opportunities that are gospel-centered outside of the church that you can be involved in. Maybe it's a service project. We have so many of our small groups that get together and they do service projects often. And, and those, those projects, they don't necessarily benefit the four walls of this facility. But they're gospel-reaching ministry outside of our facilities. Now, serving is really, it's vital. It's important because in so many ways you get a front row seat how God does some of his greatest work. And there, as we've talked about, there's so many ways that we can serve, but I, don't discredit that time with the two-year-olds. I know that's a really hard age, by the way. But that ministry to a two-year-old is vital because seeds are planted. Seeds are watered. Parents are having gospel conversations with their two-year-old's eye. We were. 
you continue those conversations. You facilitate more questions. We work together as we serve the body, as we serve one another. Your service is not in vain. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's not inconvenient. Serving is inconvenient. Serving Jesus is going to cost you something. It always will. It will never be easy. Serving inside of this church, we will try to make it easy, but it's always going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. Some would say to me, Zach, I just want, I just want deep teaching. I would respond with, don't settle for that. Because doing is deep. Knowers didn't change the world. Doers changed the world. Doing is what makes a difference. Don't just be hearers, be doers of the word. That's how we see the world changed. Because we can gather here every Sunday together and grow deep and nothing happen outside of these walls. So are you devoted to serving the mission of Christ through the local church and in your community? And then the, the final kind of point from this text is devote yourself to supporting the mission. But I don't mean just supporting it. I, I, I mean that, that really terrible word called giving. Devote yourself to financially supporting the mission. We see this in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. The people, they literally were selling their homes. And they were bringing their money. And they were laying it at the apostles' feet and saying, do with it what you may. We are giving it so the ministry can move forward. Do with it what needs to be done. That level of generosity is, is crazy, by the way. We're not asking anyone to do that. But we are going to ask you to support the mission. And you can't fully support the mission if you're not supporting it financially. Paul talks about this often. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In Philippians 4, Paul is, is, is encouraging the Philippians. He says, and you Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedon, Mas, Ma, Macedonia, there we go, it's not macadamia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. There is an increase for us when we are generous and when we give to Christ's mission. Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice that is acceptable and it is pleasing to God. So are you devoted to financially 
supporting the mission of Christ through the local church. There is a blessing for us when we give. There's so many ways that I could, there are so many examples that I could share. And I've shared so many of those over the last few weeks. Things, needs that have been met, ministries that have been started, and lives that have been changed. Because we have a generous people who belong to this local assembly. God has been so good to us. And our giving pleases him. It honors him. The amount of money is not important, by the way. No, I don't care how much you give. I just think we need to be obedient in giving. Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, you've decided in your own heart, I give because I want to be obedient to God. And because I believe Jesus changes things. I believe in what happens in student ministry, and my giving supports what happens in student ministry. I believe in what happens inside the context of small groups. So, so, so I give to our church because we are passionate about things that, that we, we, we see life change happening as a result of. I see the gospel changing lives. So I can't help but give and be obedient to that. What happens with the money is is God's business. And I'm thankful that he changes lives as a result of it. We have a great group of men here at our church. We call them trustees. They have names to me because all seven of them are partnered with me and our pastors in the mission of this church. That we want to reach people who are far from God and we want to see people grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so, so as we sit down and we talk about the ministry that we want to do and the things that we want to see happen, it's all through the, through the lens of mission and Christ's mission. But I just want to take a minute and just brag on a group of people. They're employed by our church. They're our staff. But we believe in the mission so much that we will set aside the work that we're paid to do to do work that we're not paid to do because we believe in the mission that much all the painting that's happened in this building in the last three or four months has been done by our our team our staff which has probably saved our church twenty thousand dollars plus because we believe in the mission we don't just support the mission financially. We support the mission because, hey, we had to write messages on our, in, in the evenings at home instead of during the day when we're here. We had to make those phone calls at night instead of during the day because we believe in the mission. But we do all these things because we're unified around the gospel. And here's what's true. Missional growth happens best together. It always has, and it always will. All of these things, growing spiritually, relationally, and missionally, they happen best together. And you can't do those three things, grow spiritually, grow relationally, and grow missionally, if you're disconnected and out 
of relationship with those inside the body. We can do all of those things more effectively when we are engaged with a group of believers. We believe that is best done through the context of small groups. Is it the only way? No. Can you continue to be against them and not be a part of them? Absolutely. But I believe you're going to see exponential growth if you choose to engage that way. Because missional growth happens best together. So devote yourself to the mission. Devote yourself to sharing the gospel, to serving, and to supporting the mission. Can you do that? If we want to see the things happen that we see happening in the New Testament, it's going to require all of those things. It always has, and it always will. In Philippians chapter 1, we see Paul come just encouraging the church in Philippi because of their partnership in the gospel. And the, the church in Philippi had generously supported the work of, of Paul's missionary journeys and his church planting efforts. They were one of the first churches that were planted as a result of his missionary journeys. And so they had, they had a, 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 unique, a unique story. But because of that story, they, they believed in the process of, of church planting and supporting missions and supporting gospel outreach. And so we have an opportunity to do that very same thing in our church, supporting missions and supporting missionaries and supporting gospel ministry and efforts in our community. So I'm going to invite Josh Liner, who's our outreach and missions director, to the stage for just a moment. Josh does a great job. I'm so proud of him and how he handles our outreach and, and our missions. And I'm thankful for how seriously he takes what missions looks like and what outreach looks like at our church. And so he's going to come and he's going to share uh, about missions, how that's going to look in the future, and what God's been doing through missions at West Hill. Well, thank you, Pastor Zach. Thank you for those uh, words of encouragement and your message this morning. Um, again, my name is Josh Liner. For those of you who don't know who I am, uh, I oversee the missions here at West Hill. And uh, as we're talking through how do we grow missionally, right? We have to be devoted as well to growing in global missions. And uh, I'm excited because we're doing that in a different way, right? We, we talked about we want to be doers. And um, we want to do things intentionally with our missionaries uh, that we support. Uh, we want to be more intentional and, and through lots of prayer and, and conversations and honestly just listening to the Spirit and, and allowing God to, to lay uh, specific uh, missionaries or in this case a specific organization uh, on our hearts. Um, we want to do it different. We want to grow deeper. We want to be more intentional. And we want to do this with an organization called STC. And that stands for Suffer the Children. Many of you may know uh, Suffer the Children uh, is run by Bob and Tessa Yader. Uh, many of you may have been on a missions trip. You may follow them on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, they, they are a great couple. They run a great organization. Uh, and this is, again, STC uh, is located in Guatemala. And we want to make a big difference to the people of Guatemala. Uh, we have a heart for them. Um, we have a heart for their people, and I know that we can make a huge difference. We have the resources, we have the people uh, to make a big difference uh, with them, and at the start of 2022, we decided to commit to them 
$5,000 a month. <laughs> That's huge. And that takes you. That takes you to make part of that difference, not just financially. I mean, that, that's a big portion of it, and I, I would ask you to consider praying about that and what that looks like because you can give specifically uh, towards missions, but we have a heart for these people. We believe we can make a huge impact to the people of Guatemala. But we still got to be continue, uh, continue devoted to praying. We need to be praying for our missionaries. We need to be praying for them specifically and what this partnership looks like. We need to be praying... Um, about our giving and what we can give towards them. That's the stuff we can do right now. And then we're going to have opportunities uh, to share the gospel, right? We're going to have opportunities to serve. We'll have opportunities to go there. There's things we can do now. There's things that will come up that we will have the opportunity to go and do. Um, but that takes us. It takes all of us. So uh, Bob and Tessa really wanted to be here this morning. I, got to, I was fortunate enough to meet with them and talk with them um, in December to let them know about this. And they, uh, I got to meet with them in January as well. They were you know, physically together, and um, we, we just chatted, and we're kind of sharing what was on each other's hearts. And, and it just lined up. It was amazing how God worked everything uh, out through, through what both of us are going through and, and where our hearts are and, and just being dedicated to the mission. So I have a short video. I want you guys to just check this out. West Hill Baptist Church, this is STC Guatemala. For the last 17 years, our family has been missionaries in Latin America. We have successfully planted a church in Mexico and Guatemala along with the founding of STC. With your partnership, STC has opened two feeding and Bible centers in Guatemala with a new location scheduled for launch this year. Through these programs, STC has been able to effectively share the gospel with hundreds of people along with providing thousands of meals to the malnourished and indigenous Guatemalan villages. The last two years have been very difficult for all of us, but there is no doubt that God has tremendous things in store for both of our ministries. Most notably for STC, we are just months away from the opening of our Patrimoline Life Center and our Build for Life program. Both Tessa and I are humbled and excited to partner with you in such a deep and personal way. Please know we covered your prayers, we want to hear from you, and we want you to be involved in all that God is doing here in Guatemala. So please reach out to us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at STC Guatemala. Visit us at stcguatemala.com to learn more and become partners with us. West Hill Baptist Church, we love you. We are praying for you. We look forward to growing together, and most importantly, we look forward to seeing you here in Guatemala very soon. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I'm excited to make a difference, right? We're talking about making a difference for people, reaching people who are far from God, and, and uh, the mission, missionally, global missions, and that can be done right here, making a huge difference in Guatemala. Uh, again, it takes all of us. It takes you just as much as me. Uh, I want you to truly reach out to them. You have the ability to stay up to date through our missions display, but follow them. Follow them on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, they are 
on fire with that stuff. I mean, I, it's, hard, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going on that they're doing, but it's just wonderful things. Like you saw, they have feeding centers. Um, they, have, they honestly are affecting that entire region. I mean, there's, there's talk of growth and expansion throughout Guatemala because there's so many people that actually left through COVID and uh, they have the opportunity really to expand. The word is getting out there. People, lives are being transformed through the gospel. I mean, that, that's what it's all about right there. That's what it is, and you're seeing it. You're seeing them do it through VBSs, through services, through building houses and businesses. Uh, they're doing it all, and it's in the name of Jesus. So, again, please uh, consider what your partnership looks like uh, with them, and, again, through us, and, again, just pray about what God may have you uh, give towards that. So, again, we'll, let's do this together. We can make an impact, and we can really help out those in Guatemala. Thanks. It is true that we really are in this together, and I don't say that just because it's a catchy little phrase. This is how God does his work. He uses us. So what role will you play? And that's been the purpose and the heart of this entire series, is in some ways to direct our body back to some of the core essentials of what the Bible teaches us to do. It's not really, it's, it's not more complicated than that. And so will you devote yourself? If an Acts chapter two was to be written today and Luke was to show up, would he write, and they, West Hill, devoted themselves? I hope that he would. I believe that he would, based on what I see and what I hear and what I know to be happening in your life and in the lives of those who are in our small groups. I hear about more of it through that context. And so I would challenge you, if you're not, be devoted to the mission. Not just the three-letter words, or the three words, build, share, and bring at West Hill, but to Christ's mission of proclaiming the good news of the gospel and making disciples. What role will you play? What role will you play in helping Bob and Tessa Yader and their team do this very thing in Guatemala? It will require prayer, it will require service, and it will require your money. Would God do it? We love to say those things, right? God could do it without your money. Sure. But he, but he uses it. Could God do it without our time? Sure, but that's not how he set it up. So I pray that we'll be obedient to what he's called us to do. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to gather together, to sing songs together, to worship your great name, the name that is above all names. God, we are thankful that you have given us your word, that we can read it, that we can we can see how your church did what it did and that that's still the same framework for us today. But above all, God, I pray that we would be devoted to your son, Jesus. That we'd be devoted to his mission in this world of reaching people who are, f who are far from God and making disciples. That we would love each other well 
that we would support each other well, and that we would support the mission, that we'd serve the mission, that we would devote ourselves to it. There's no greater mission, there's no greater purpose than that mission. So God, help us to be on on mission with you. Help us to be focused. Help us to be committed. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.